Hello and welcome to a very special edition of the JRE Review. Today I will be reviewing a JRE Classic, podcast number one, with Brian Redman from December 24th, 2009. Now you might be asking, why the fuck are you bothering to uh, review a podcast that's over 10 years old? Well, because I want to occasionally... Go back and find some of the best and classic and most enjoyable and my favorite podcasts from all the years and do a bit of review on them. Maybe encourage you guys to go back and listen to them or maybe you guys will have some suggestions of your favorite podcast from back in the day that I could go back and review and check out. Uh, just because it's cool to listen to the progression of this podcast, how things have changed, and the very first one is really the best example of that. So let's start. Welcome to the Joe Rogan Experience Review, where each week I review every single episode of the Joe Rogan Experience. What more do you want? Okay, so the first podcast that they ever did was streaming on some sort of service called like Ustream or something like this, uh, something that I, I was unaware of and I didn't really know. And I, I think what they did to set it up, and if you go back and listen to this very first podcast, which again, when you look at Joe Rogan's podcast, he has every single one that he ever did on there, which I think is fantastic. And I just think it's another testament to how great this guy is when it comes to putting his media out there and standing behind it he hasn't gone back removed any that he thought maybe were controversial he hasn't gone back and changed any from things that he said that he thinks could be bad he's just left all of the data out there and you can just check him out and listen to him in any order that you want and that is really cool um and it allows for things like this which is awesome but he start off and it's just like, it just sounds like two guys, Brian Redband and Joe Rogan, just like working on their computer, going through websites and, and just talking to each other. It's almost like they don't even know that the the device is recording, right? And then Joe and Redband start taking some questions from, I think, Twitter. So that he's getting like Twitter questions. And, and I think he kept calling it... Um, oh, I, I tweeted that or something. He wasn't saying tweet. So I don't know if the word tweet came in later than 2009, but they kept saying that somebody had just tweeted it. I don't know. It was funny. It just didn't sound right. Um, and then they were talking about internet speeds and kind of getting it up and running. And this was definitely like a new forum of, of kind of asking questions and interacting uh, with Joe Rogan's fan base. So he's... He's talking away. A couple of, like, maybe a hundred people had tuned in. I guess he put a link in, like, uh, a Twitter feed. And uh, people were just coming online and they, they were asking. So they were working through all of that. Then Joe says, hi, everybody, after, like, 15 minutes or something of just kind of chatting with Red Band about which website does what. And uh, then waits a little bit. And then, he, and then he was like, I don't think we're quite high enough for this, which is great. And then, you know, they smoke a little bit of weed. But it's it's nice to know that, like, this is their very first ever podcast. And that's how they get started with it. Not to say that they're not, you know, Joe's not smoking for everything. But, I mean, he made it clear right away that even back in 2009, huge supporter of it. He's not ashamed 
of marijuana and all the rest of it. And, uh, you know, and also just what this podcast, is, what Joe Rogan's podcast is, like a kind of a learning as he goes environment that's pretty much unedited. And I, and I love that, you know, the production value is just to make it more usable rather than, you know, this concern of like professionalism and all the rest of it. I'm not saying he's not professional, but you know what I mean? It's it's a raw type of thing. And he, he started to take some questions. He also had like snowflakes on the video that they were streaming because they were vi- streaming a video with this too. And I think you can still watch that on YouTube. They look pretty bad. Uh, and then it has it has like special effects of like snow falling because it was Christmas Eve back in 2009. So Joe's really excited that about 113 people had tuned in. That to me is hilarious just because now he gets tens of millions of downloads. But he was like, wow, 113. That's crazy. Okay, let's start answering some good questions, <laughs> which I thought was great. Um, one thing that really set the time is that he talks about um, how you can now go to a doctor in California and get a prescription for weed. Obviously, in 2019, it's legal uh recreationally you know and those weed shops are everywhere and we're very used to it but back then it wasn't that way and it was exciting for them they were they were pumped to be like dude can you believe all you have to do is go to your doctor and say you get migraines and i just thought that was great um you know thank god things have changed and no doubt you know joe rogan's played a a factor in that in the last 10 years not to give him too much credit but i mean he definitely has been a very loud and positive voice for the legalization of marijuana and that's really undeniable you know uh they kind of talk about current events of the time he talks about his time on the man show with doug stanhope and how that didn't go all that well uh because he kind of equates it to like the janet jackson um nudity incident with justin timberlake at the uh super bowl where her tit popped out and just kind of how everybody reeled back on nudity and then they took they really promised doug and joe a lot on the man show said they could do whatever they want but it turned out that wasn't the case they were real strict on things and it was just kind of bullshit so i think in a lot of ways that was when joe really uh stepped away from television and just kind of Felt like dealing with producers and people that would fuck with shows was just no good. He saw what happened with the Chappelle show. And I think this is why this avenue of just, you know, doing Fear Factor to make good money. And then and then eventually after that, doing this podcast was just an idea to... I think he set out to be creatively free rather than just chase the money right away. And look, the money followed. So there's definitely some merit behind what he tried. He sounds pretty similar, you know, 10 years, you learn a lot. But remember, he was like 40 then. I think he was just turning 40. So he, you know, and he'd been obviously still famous a while, uh, a good probably 15 years or close to it. I don't know when he started to get really famous, but he sounds pretty similar. Um, the, The podcast itself, like the audio is slightly better now and there's no dead air. Like there's no time where they're just kind of talking to each other and not responding to questions. But otherwise, the way that he tells stories is as concise and as clear and, you know, in a way maybe he's a little bit faster. He almost sounds slightly more aggressive with his opinions uh, in a sense. You know, he's a bit calmer now, but, you know, he's got a bit older. But generally, the clarity is there, the honesty. He's, like, really clearly separating things about being an honest person and, 
you know, giving people the benefit of the doubt, and he kind of has that thought process of forgiveness. It's just kind of like, you know, to see where he was even then, even before the thousands of hours of podcasting practice he's had, uh, you know, it was it was still Joe Rogan. That's why he was so perfect for this format. I mean, exactly. Um, and, you know, again, really gives good breakdowns. He was doing some conspiracy theory breakdowns, why some of them bullshit, why some of them are worth listening to, you know, what kind of wraps him in. Like, he, he definitely has that uh, clear perspective uh, behind what he's saying. Uh, then he gets really excited about something like 364 people are online listening. The reason I'm like putting these numbers down too is because they're so astronomically small for what Rogan's podcast is now that he's like, it was just funny to me that that was even a thing. And he, and he even equated it to it being a packed comedy club. So he was like, oh, shit, we need to be more interesting. Let's answer some questions. And it was it was cool. He talks a, a bit about his addictions, too, how he gets pretty addicted to things like video games and pool in the past. And now, or at least then, 2009, he's more conscious about trying to get addicted to things that are very positive for his life. You know, like jujitsu or doing more comedy or, you know, just working out, those sorts of things, right? So if you have that addictive type of personality like Joe, it's probably a smart move to make sure that your addictions are as positive as they can be because you enjoy them just the same. It's not to say that you wouldn't enjoy jujitsu as much as playing video games. You probably enjoy it more. Um, He gets into float tanks. I love that. You know, he's always been an advocate for float tanks and using them and even in the very first podcast, he's talking about float tanks, describing how they work and what they do for you. He even does it in really quite a, a trippy way. And then he does something as raw as you can imagine. He tests his mic out. <clears throat> Excuse me. So because it's a brand new podcast and, and streaming idea, he has three settings on his microphone and he like runs through them all and asks people on Twitter which setting is the best. It's like, how raw is that? How like think of the types of media and television that were around then and he took it to like as basic a a a thing as you can go just like two guys on the fly fucking around figuring it out in their basement and then turning it into something amazing and the reason i i'm like into that idea is because i think that you know it inspires me and it should inspire you too to be like I can start a project that doesn't have to be perfect on day one. It can be clumsy and shitty and I shouldn't lose any momentum. I can just continue and every day I'll get better. You know, and you will. You'll get better. You don't have to go out and buy all the best equipment on day one to have a good podcast or to have a good YouTube channel. Just get something and start doing it and be consistent. Like that's kind of a message that Joe says a lot and I... I really do think that it makes a lot of sense. <clears throat> Towards the end of this podcast, because he does get a phone call from his wife, being that it's Christmas Eve, saying hurry up and get done. So he's like, okay, got to finish up. Uh, he ends up with close to 380 people tuning in, which he's pretty pumped about. And then this is the important part. He and Red Band said that they're going to commit two hours a week to making this podcast, which eventually becomes the JRE Experience, one of the biggest downloaded podcasts in the world. And uh, there's one point that I really like right at the end that Red Band's like, can you imagine looking back at this over 50 years, 50 years from now and saying, how stupid was this idea? Well, I say this, 
we can look back from just 10 years and see that this is one of the most important platforms of information and media that maybe has ever been created from these two stoners on day one. So yeah, I say if you haven't heard this one ever and you're a Joe Rogan fan, go back and listen to it. It's really cool to go back and listen to just certain ones randomly if you have time. And uh, yeah, I got a lot out of it. I really liked it. And, you know, who knows? We'll look back in another 10 and see where it is. But anyway, thanks for tuning in, guys. I appreciate it. Peace.